So, Jimmy, did you get back last night or this morning I, or just I, now? or? I just – no, I got back last night. Taylor picked me okay. up at the airport. You know, it's uh, here in Albany, New York. There's an airport with a with a, with a long-term parking lot that's about the size of uh, half of a football field. So every time I go to the airport at like 5 in the morning to get an airline somewhere in the world – I have my fingers crossed like this because I'm afraid I'm going to pull in and not have a parking spot. And that happened to me and Jocko when we went last year. I think we went to uh, Workbench Con last year. Jocko came to New York, stayed with me, and then together we flew to Atlanta. And we were driving in circles for like an hour until we figured out because I always go super early to the airport. Anyway, we were able to leave the car somewhere in a niche. And lately it's been getting crowded and more crowded. So Taylor dropped me off at the airport the other day. And as we pulled up, for the very first time, there's a big brand new sign and it says parking lot full. So I was like... Good call. So Taylor dropped me off, and then she picked me up last night. And I don't know why I brought that up, but that's just the stress that's attached to every time I travel. <laughs> it's like, what do I do with my car? So I got home late last night, and uh, it's nice to be back. I've been traveling so much. I, I, it's, I've been traveling so much, and now that I'm home, like I don't know what to do. Like I have 600 things to do. I don't know what to do first. And I'm going to be home for till next Wednesday. Then I'm going to hang out in Weaver Leather for the weekend. I'm going to do a live thing at Weaver Leather. I'll post on Instagram today. So this is going to go live tomorrow. So it'll be somewhat current if you see it today or tomorrow. You have plenty of time if you're interested in going to make a plan. So I'm going to Ohio next weekend. And that'll be my last big trip until WorkbenchCon, I think. Sure. I think. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think. Well, well uh, I, got, I got, you know, a, a thing that we do in Chicago. I got invited to that, but I don't think I'm going to go because... It's just it's just too much. I need a break, you know. So I might not go to that, and uh, it all depends if maybe we go visit family and not Taylor and I. But um, other than that, I get a chance to relax. I almost had a big big job, which would have had me working literally every minute right up until like December fifteenth, from this very moment until then. And that job got postponed, thankfully, because there was mm. too much to do. They realized that we were going to make this big mechanical thing. That's Bob, you and I talked about it probably on the, the wrap-up show a couple weeks ago. This whole robotic clock. Yeah. I was going to make like a big like uh, cuckoo clock, so to speak, for one of the brands that I do work with. And anyway, they postponed it because they worked backwards on the timeline and realized like it's just not enough time to get what they want to get done. So we're going to possibly do it in March. But uh, that's it. So I'm home now, and uh, I have a couple of things to do today. So I'm going to dig into... I'm going to dig into Fusion 360 and make a make a file. I have to make a file for a job I'm working on. So every single time I open Fusion, it's like, okay, how does this program work again? What do I have to do again? <laughs> mm-hmm. What am I making? Yeah. So that's going to be this afternoon. So I don't really have anything to report that I've been making. I've just been traveling. I went to SEMA, which is a huge car show for anything after the car gets manufactured. Bumpers, tires, anything that you put on a car as an accessory. That show is humongous. It's five floors in the Las Vegas Convention Center. That was a lot of fun. And then we got back, and uh, then I just went to SEMA, which is... No, I just did that. I'm so confused. I went to FabTech in Chicago. <laughs> and I actually did... I did I, I hosted... I did hosting duties for an event for 3M. 3M had a, this thing called Clash of the Grinders, which went really well. There's some live feeds of it somewhere. You can Google it. You can find the event. But the best thing about the event and I'll, I'll stop on this, is because of the weather, there was a lot of people that were coming in late 
because the, a lot of flights got canceled. And one of the contestants that was randomly chosen off of the applications on the website couldn't make it because his flight got canceled. So JD happened to be there, who also applied, but he didn't get randomly selected. <coughs> JD got chosen to be in the event. She said to me, she's like, your friend JD said he could be a stand-in, and now we need him. So JD showed up. And JD won every, and it was like 13 people. JD won number one, so he won the prize for 2019. <laughs> he beat awesome. twenty. He beat the 2018 guy, a guy named Brian. And then he and I went head-to-head, and he beat me. So JD won everything. So <laughs> I was so happy and proud that JD, because it was just like, it kind of got like a real level of excitement in the crowd that I don't know if we would have got if the crowd didn't know JD. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't like somebody yeah. that we all didn't know. So, because there was a lot of there was a lot of friends in the audience, it was uh, it, it went well. It was a lot of fun. So, JD, proud of you, buddy. So that's that. that's awesome. Yeah. So, so I want to hear more about SEMA, though. Like, uh, I mean, just about some of the stuff you saw. Like, what the best thing, the coolest thing, and I think I sent you guys pictures. I sent you the Land Cruiser. There's yeah. there was a, a whole section called Overland. The whole place is basically Overland trucks, which are like trucks with big tires. But Overland really is is trucks that have like pop up tents on the roof and camping. You could like turn the the car into a central part of a campsite with uh, all types of attachments for the bumpers that roll out of the side of the car. There's a lot of uh, these the, like the big uh, I don't know what those like uh, what do they call those big vans now that have you could stand the piece of plywood up in them. The big tall top vans. Hmm. I forget what they're called. Um, yeah, I know what you're the, talking about. I can't think of the word either. Yeah, so those big vans, there was a lot of those vans converted into campers. So that's a big, big trend now. There's like 15 companies that do rooftop tents, and every one of them's got the best rooftop tent. And it's it was <laughs> it was fun looking at all that stuff, thinking of the potential and the and the. Uh, uh, I, I I now want to build one. Taylor's been wanting to build one for a really long time. She bought a pop up tent for the roof of the Jeep, but she ultimately didn't like it, so she returned it. So we're trying to find one that. That that'll be good. So we we are going to get into that a little bit. And I gave out a lot of business cards. And it, it, it's funny the the way the pitch goes is if I see a product I like, I walk up and I say, Hey, I'm a I'm a YouTuber. I have a big channel. I have a far reach. Here's my business card. Go look at my channel. If you think we could partner on anything, give me a call. And so I handed out like 75 business cards. So if I get one percent <laughs> back. I'll end up with something cool. And I only give my business card to cool things that I like. Like I see things and I'm like, oh, I would want that tool. And then I'm like, no, I really don't want that tool. So I shop with like dessert. Because then the only one that will call me back is the guy who I was just like, nah, maybe I'll give that guy my card. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, I'm, only, I'm only reaching or I'm only just in, interacting with the people that I would really ultimately want to do something with. So for that point of view, doing those shows is super fun when you have like a little bit of an unfair advantage over uh i mean people are there to shop and there's there's buyers for stores and the interesting thing about sema versus fabtech is sema is just a show-off show and i learned that day two it's not a show where you're going and placing orders it's just strictly a big show-off show it's like a parking lot of a burger king on a thursday night it's just a big show-off show of course it's all about making connections <laughs> You know what I mean? But it's it's all about making connections. It's not, it's about wheeling and dealing. And a couple of guys said, hey, that's a tradition here. This isn't a show where you're going to place an order on, you know, a, a truckload of stock for your retail outlet. Whereas it seems like Fabtech is more like that. But it also, of course, it's like new technology showcase. 
so it's not that traditional trade show where you walk in and immediately the guy looks at your badge and he's like, do you think you could buy a truckload of these or would you like a case of these? You know, those where they're kind of pushy. That's like kind of like a clothing show. This is more of check out the new technology. If you're interested, here's a catalog, have fun. Maybe you'll buy one of these for yourself. So it's, there's, there's a lot of public there and it's just people looking at what's new. So from that point of view, it was fantastic. It was, and outside the head guys doing drifting, which was crazy. The entire time you had just heard tires screeching and smoke, like the entire five days. It's just <laughs> screeching out. Every time you got to get a hot dog, you just hear. It sounds so stressful. Whole time. <laughs> it was, it's high energy. And, and the other dumb thing about it, which was so stupid, is that there was metal detectors. Every single time you left the show, you had to go back in through a metal detector. So if you went outside to get some fresh air or whatever, you had to turn around, you had to come back in through a metal detector with there was 400 people online at any given moment at the metal detectors. And I, I, I just checked with the guy. I'm like, what, do you, what actually are you looking for? And he said, pocket knives are okay. So I was able to just kind of breeze in and out. With, I, at first I walked up, I'm like, I'm not getting in the show. I got to go put all my fancy knives in my friend's car. <laughs> Because I sent a, I, I brought some ice picks for his friends, so I just packed a bag in, in the airplane. So I brought a couple of pocket knives, but they, they didn't matter. At, at one point, there were so many people coming and going, they were just going, come through, come through. So the thing was going, and they weren't stopping anybody. It made no sense. They were just, everybody was walking through. Isn't it funny how they just like give up at some point on things like that? Anytime an event gets so big, they're just like, well, all of this precaution we put in place is now in the way, and so we're just going to throw it out. Where, if there was an actual danger coming in and out of that door, it would be a bigger deal than it was if there was nobody there. It's just yeah, oh. yeah. So anyway, that was SEMA and Fabtech, and I did I did reconnect with my robot friends. I want to try and get uh, ABB is going to maybe sponsor me with a with a potential robot. It's it's a longer conversation because those guys are they have no idea what we do, and you know they're looking to sell robots to like factories. And one or two of the guys there still are sweet on me. And they saw me and they were like, oh, my God, come in. And they showed me around all the new robots. So who knows? It's still a potential a potential thing where I might end up with like a big robot arm like Jocko has. <laughs> so, What would you yeah. do with that? I, th- I know we've talked about this before. I remember the conversation. But I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are. I want, oh, oh, I'd love a robot like Lignum that could just carve in full five axis. Lignum's got, uh, if you know, don't mm-hmm. know his channel, go check out Lignum. He has two of them, and they carve these beautiful things. So I'd like to get into more of that, like, modeling. Those, like, like, I can't even do 2D infusion. I'm going to try and do a 3D infusion. What's wrong with me? But uh, I'd like to try and dig into that a little bit. And then also, I've been wanting to turn one of those robots into a power hammer, put a hammer in his hand so it just goes bonk, bonk, bonk on an anvil. So I'd have, like, a robot partner in my blacksmith shop. And it could take, it could take that abuse? <laughs> okay. What, the guy who did the stress test uh, analytics, uh, you know, he did an analyzing, uh, he did analytics on one of them. He said he could take it. Huh. How about a uh, model? Uh, a CNC bandsaw, like the robot just puts the piece through a bandsaw blade and does all the curve cuts for you. <laughs> That's a good idea too. <clears throat> Be funny if the robot had band aids all on its fingers, even though it doesn't. Have <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I got, and this week I got, I don't know, since we spoke, my bandsaw came in from Louisville. And you want to hear something oh, cool. funny? I got, a, I got a really, I got the bandsaw that I bought in Louisville. It came shipped here. The guys from uh, First Build sent it up. By the way, I got a really nice note from the guy who sold it. I saw, I bought it through the auctioneer, but the guy who, who owned it looked me up and he saw that I have a YouTube channel and he's, he said, I've had that bandsaw since I'm a little kid. My dad bought it when I was a little boy. He said, I just want to say, 
I'm happy it's in good hands. So that was very sweet of him to say that. Mm-hmm. He said, I That's really cool. miss it. He goes, I kind of regret having to sell my wood shop. But he goes, we had to for, for, because we needed the room and we never used it. He said, but that band saw always was like a big part of my life. He goes, I'm happy it's in a good hands. So mm-hmm. that was really sweet. Like, when do you ever get that? You know, like you, you buy a piece of cold machinery and somebody has a sentimental attachment to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you all, you, like, occasionally you do hear these, these, these nice stories. So that was very nice of him. That's awesome. Cool. Dave, what have you been up to? Uh, well, this week we didn't film a video. We worked on the book, which now has a release date for the spring. And I think I only have one more project to make for it. And it's going to be a cutting board. So um, I, I think I know how to make cutting boards by now. So that is <laughs> wrapping up soon. I think if everything goes well when this podcast comes out, my go-kart video will also come out. I got some talking head stuff to film today first. And I'm a little nervous about that video because in my head, I pictured it as like, this is like the, this, we're at a pivot point where we're going to try to do some new style of videos. And this is maybe the first video in that style. And so I'm trying to edit this video in a, in a manner that I've not edited before. And so I'm like, constantly doubting myself and i keep like re-watching what i've edited and over and over and now i'm too close to it where i can't i can't watch it from a viewer's perspective so uh i just wanted i do want to try to get into more like lifestyle videos and and other things besides woodworking and just for you know the 2020 is all about trying uh taking chances and, and doing new stuff so that's what's going on oh uh i got all my i got a bunch of new equipment i got my tube notcher and my pipe bender so many people that listen to this podcast have reached out to me and suggested like you should get this you should get that and it's been absolutely helpful like every lots of people were steering me towards the jd2 pipe bender and i'm like if if five people say you need to get this then that's what I'm going to get. And one of the, so I got that. And one of the issues was, um, uh, a tube bender pipe bender is totally different. Um, one of the issues is it needs to be bolted to the floor. And so I'm like, Oh, I have to drill into the garage floor and maybe make it removable. And they have a hydraulic version and, but you got to buy this $500 pump and it like doubles the cost of everything where you don't have to bolt it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And then this guy, Fergie Fab on Instagram reached out and said, Hey, you don't need to use the hydraulic air pump. You can get this thing on eBay for a hundred bucks. And then this thing that converts it. So, I, so, so many people put pointing me in the right direction, saved me a bunch of money and, so now it's just time to start making the making the go-kart chassis. I've got it all drawn up in Fusion. I found um, somebody had uh, some go-kart plans drawn up in Fusion based on one of the higher-end chassis, and they redrew it, and I took that, and I've kind of modified it. So I'm ready to go. It's just now I need to find... We're at the point of the year where it's like I need good days, good weather days to work in the garage. And uh, so all my tubing is in. I just need to go pick it up. We went with one and a quarter inch DOM. I didn't know what DOM was until the other day. Um, what does it mean? Steel. 
What is it? Uh, oh, wow. I don't know. Uh, something over mandrel. Direct over mandrel. Something over... I'm going to get corrected so bad, but it's, Draw, roll, it's rolled over... It's cold steel rolled over a mandrel. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah. And so I talked to my family who um, builds race cars, and they, they like, most race cars are made out of chromoly. I don't know what that is. But he said, "You for the go kart, you want you want this DOM mild steel, and we're going to MIG weld it, and I'm I'm ready to go. I just the only thing stopping me now is me. So yeah, it, it really is. That's cool. Uh, so I'm curious about the tools. You know, you talked about that one possibly having to be bolted down, but is is the overall volume of all that new stuff you got going to be a problem or is it stuff that doesn't have to be out like stuff you can put away when you're not using it? So yeah, uh, the, the two bender, if it was mounted to a floor has this huge long arm that sticks up because you, you, you put the tube in the, in the die and then you, you crank this arm. But because I have the, uh, what's the, uh, I can't think of what it's called, but because I'm, have the the pump in there i don't need that two that huge long arm in the way because the machine will do it and i doesn't have to be bolted to the floor and in actuality it's not that big so it's something that can be put on a table pushed off to the side the tube notcher is is really small and it just hooks up to a up to a um like a little hand-powered drill so I don't have a lot of space in my metal working area to begin with, and I can only work in there when, you know, the car is not in the garage, and I only have so many flat surfaces to work on. So space is really important to me with that until we get the shed built all back, which who knows when that's going to be. So it doesn't take up that much room. That's cool. Yeah. Good. Uh, let's see. For me, over what's coming out this week? Gosh, I'm so out of it. I, I guess this week was uh, uh, the third R2-D2 video. So I've been working on that a lot with a couple of other things at the same time. And R2-D2 is finally at a point where it's starting to actually look like the right robot. Like the legs are pretty much done. They're stuck on the sides. The dome has all of the, not all, but a lot of the panels on. It has the big eyeball. It has lights in it. Um, and so that's stuck on there. And so when you just kind of like stick everything together... You're like, oh, that's like, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a familiar face, which is pretty awesome. Still tons of work to do. But that video um, should be out and covers all of those things and some of the other paint things that I had to work around, where I had the paint issues a while back and had to repaint things and use different primer and different clear coats and stuff like that. So that'll be out. Um, and then outside of that, I've been working on a couple of other, for the next few weeks, um, started doing some leather stuff. And we can talk about more about that later on, but um, finally got to work in leather a little bit, worked in some cement uh, into a future project. And that one, we don't have to talk about the project, but it does lead into what we were going to talk about as far as seasonal kind of stuff, because I wanted to make this uh, this concrete project that's outside, but it's cold. It's it's really cold, <laughs> and I mean I know you guys are both further north than I am, so it's been colder for you longer, and we'll get colder than we'll get. But we had our first snow this past weekend, or yeah, earlier in the week, which yeah, is kind of crazy for us. That frost really screws at a lot of projects. Like when something's when it's like freezing, yeah. 
you got to yeah. really consider doing a lot of materials that you can't use. It's, it's, it's a real pain in the butt. Yeah, we were looking at, you know, like the sealers that we were going to use on the concrete and even construction adhesive. I had to make sure that the construction adhesive would work in sub-freezing temperatures, and it does. What I was using apparently works from zero to 100 degrees, so that was kind of cool. But that's something you got to consider. Now, you guys have to deal with this a lot more than I do, typically, throughout the year. Partially because of where you are, but also, Jimmy, your stuff is, like, your shop is kind of exposed. I mean, I know you heat it, but... It's heated when I need it to be heated. I don't keep it heated all the time. It would be too expensive. So that is a consideration. Like, right now, my plasma table is full of a 70-gallon ice cube right now, so... I got to go in there and I can't leave it because if it gets super, super sub-zero, like it might be frosty right now because there's a lot of contaminants and I haven't looked, but if it's frozen, frozen solid, which is unlikely because that really only happens when it's consistently like 13 degrees for a couple of days in a row. Um, Right now it's about 30 degrees out and it seems to be warming up, but it did get pretty cold in the last few days. So I got to make sure that once it gets to a liquid form, I can empty that out because you don't want that ice cube expanding and contracting. You'll end up breaking breaking joints. So that's one thing I have to really be considerate of. And then also I have a hot tub in the backyard, which last winter I didn't empty out and it broke a couple of the hoses. And then this Ooh. summer, my my tech went in there for the first time in 14 years. He went in there and he started digging in there and having to fix some broken pipes and he couldn't find the final leak. And so we just gave up. So my hot tub has like a foot of water in it, which right now is probably a solid frozen ice cube. And I probably cracked five more joints because I've been traveling. I haven't had a chance to empty it out. There's only like a foot of water in it, but it might be enough to completely destroy it, send it into the uh, junkyard. So I'll find out. Do you do you use the hot tub? I do, but this summer it was broken. Okay. So we, this is the first time in 13, gotcha. 14 years I haven't turned it on. We, like I said, we ran a couple of trials on it and we kept realizing there was leaks in it. And so it's like 25 hoses underneath it. You got to like, and it's all wet and gooey, so you got to like, okay, where's the leak coming from? It's not easy to find. It's not like, and it's not like looking for an air leak where you just spray liquid soap on it and you see it. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's not that easy. So yeah. Anyway, but the, yeah. So what else winters. do you have to do, like within your your backyard shop that's more controlled? I think it's probably more controlled temperature wise. Is there anything you have to do around there for that stuff, or like the blacksmithing shop because that's all? Exposed. Yeah, no, yeah, it's all open now. I just. Uh, it's it, it's a real it's a real uh, it's a drag honestly because I'm like oh I want to go out there and I'm like it's so cold like the Tormach doesn't re- operate easily I have to use the Tormach this week the Tormach doesn't operate smoothly in the cold and the big CNC machine in the big shop works pretty good in the cold but it's cold <laughs> you try to think of things you could do in the house <laughs> and I think of computers edit videos that I need to edit. I have like three videos that I'm working on right now. Oh, and then I'm I'm working on this antique rifle restoration that I bought at a garage sale a couple of weeks ago. And it's sitting, because I've been traveling and I didn't want it to sit exposed, I kept it submerged in evaporust. Right now, it's probably in a chunk of ice cube. The evaporust, I'm sure, is frozen. It's not supposed to operate outside of a range, which is definitely not freezing. So, uh, so I got to go deal with that. I'll go get that. And if it is in a chunk of ice, I'll bring it home and let it, let it uh, defrost and take it out and then begin. I, I've i been keeping it in the evaporous because there's certain screws that I can't get out. And I'm hoping that those screws will finally get free. I don't want to, if I'm afraid if I try and force them to tip the head of the screw might break off and then I'll have a real situation on my hands. Getting a little tiny fine screw out of, uh, you know, the body of a rifle would be a real hassle. So anyway, yeah. 
but then paints freeze and you got to deal with paints and i look around the room and i'm like what is my most important stuff that if it freezes it would it would be a bummer so i'll bring it home and i'll put it in the pantry at the house Hmm. so i look around there's chemicals like certain uh epoxies and stuff that i i know i need to use and if i let them freeze it's gonna make it difficult to revive them so i'll bring them home can't think off the top of my head i know last year i was concerned about something that i had to do so i brought the epoxy in the house and just kept it in the so washroom so other than your house you don't really have a fully temperature controlled space to no. do anything right no the, oh, I, I i I, uh, I have a guy that was going to do my my heating in the floor which my, my big new barn's got temperature it's got heating in the floor and he hasn't hooked the boiler up yet He's not very. He's not immediately local. He, I, he's from the tri-state area, so he's he's about a hundred miles away. And he, I said, do you want to do this job? Because he's also on Instagram. Mo and Mo said, yeah, I'll do it. I don't mind traveling. I, you know, he wants the notoriety of being able to work in my big barn, and uh, he's extremely talented, very very well educated, heating and air conditioning guy. And so Mo, uh, we talked the other day, and he's going to get on it. We were kind of dragging our feet trying to find somebody that would give us something, you know, sponsored thing. And I just said to him, I go, because we have a guy that wants to, he, there's a company that wants to give us a, try, a thing to try. They're, they're curious to see it used in a certain situation, something, something, because it's a brand new object that they're making, a brand new line of series. I don't even know the name of the company. Anyway, we were waiting on them, and it's taken this long. And I said to Mo the other day, I said, let's just buy one. He said, no problem. So that's going to happen sooner than later. And we'll get that room heated. And we'll see what that's going to actually take to keep it heated. And if it's not going to cost me, you know, $50 a day to keep that place heated, I'll just keep it warm. I'll keep it at a, like an even temperature. I do have to insulate the doors, but everybody said the heat coming from the floor is super efficient. So I will see if I can get that place heated and I might leave that warm through the, through the winter. We'll see. We'll see. But my big shop has overhead heating things, which cost $100 a day to run about so if i'm if i'm gonna it's about 500 a week that is if i leave them on and we only turn them on when we're there when we leave like if we go to lunch we turn them off because it's just it's not necessary it's really just for own personal comfort and if i do have to paint something i'll paint it in my dining room this going through like i did my the bed of my truck last year i did it in my dining room with a with a pellet stove is heating the place up so working in the winter is 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 a real bummer you know, until I really get the, the shop going for good and I can leave it on all, yeah. all winter long. There's yeah, so many I mean, I'm, I'm consider. really blessed in that, that my shop is like in the house. It's on the same AC. It's in the basement. So it's, yeah. you know, like we have, I have the same temperature in my shop that I have all year round. Um, but we were on a, a hangout, like a patron hangout the other night and talking to a bunch of different people. And they were saying how they were having to like start to try to figure out how to insulate their garages or you know, they'd get a, a propane heater, but then you also have to crack the door a little bit so you can let the fumes out, which kind of then negates the fact that you're heating this space. And um, it was just interesting to hear everybody has a different, you know, winter situation, depending on what your shop is, if it's in your basement or backyard or garage or, you know, two car garage is different than a one car. I mean, it's all different. I'm totally waiting for global warming to actually take full effect. It would be so nice <laughs> if it was warm up here all the time. <laughs> The problem with global warming is you have extremes. You have extreme heat, and then you also have extreme winters. I actually have my my car is running right now in the driveway, just trying to help. (laughs) (laughs) 
terrible. If you yeah. guys want to help, you could all you just, run your cars so Jimmy can stay warm. All the aerosol cans, you're just emptying them out into oh, the yeah. sky. I got yeah. tape on them. They're just I got 40 cans just spraying into the air. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, David, your your wood shop is fully insulated and heated and cooled. Fully insulated, right? heated and cooled. Yeah, I actually we had our first snow the other day and it's like it's so unusual to get snow in the beginning of november but we did and i've already had my first tumble like i was carrying my laptop and my phone into the shop and i slipped on the ice and i i ate it and my the corner of the laptop hit on the pavement and it's fine it's just now has a huge ding in it um but Mm. i luckily i'm okay but I protected the expensive stuff and not myself. Like, there's got to be a point. At, there's got to be an age where no matter what you're holding, <laughs> you let go so you don't hurt yourself, right? Because I don't want to break a hip and be an old man. But uh, yeah, so my shop is very well insulated, both in the ceilings and the walls. And then the gra- it has a garage door, but that's been locked off. And then there's insulation behind that. I do have a couple huge air leaks. My two entry doors, the 30-inch entry doors, you can see sunlight through them when they're closed. And so we've got a contractor coming out that's going to redo the whole frame and put new doors in there. So, the, And uh, a little mini split heats up and cools down the entire place. And it works pretty good. The company that came in that installed it said, like, this will, no matter how hot, this will cool down your, your shop. But when it gets below zero, it, it might have a little, it might have a hard time keeping up. And they were exactly right. So when it gets below zero, I just have another, another little space heater that I haul out there. And um, it doesn't, it's since it's just a two size of a two car garage, it doesn't take long to heat up or cool down. And so on days that I know I'm not going to be out there, it's completely off. So it'll, it'll get below freezing out there. And I d- didn't think about this, but. Last year, you know, it would go four days with, you know, below zero or whatever. And that's probably why all my spray, spray paint cans and, and stuff didn't work this summer. So, mm. um, but yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that uh, it's, it's well sealed. Um, I wish I didn't have to go outside to go inside because there's a space between the house and the garage. But yeah, you build a tunnel, you build a, little, a tunnel, a little heated tunnel yeah. that you can walk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so with you working on the, uh, the go-kart, that'll be in the garage, yeah, which the car does garage. that have any kind of temperature control? None at all. None at all. Mm-hmm. So there's a little space heater out there now, but when you're doing metal work, the, you're welding and stuff, there's all these fumes. So you have to have something open. And so, yeah, I'll just be, I'll just be on the lookout for good days. And just deal, just deal with it. I mean, you're when you're working with metal, the metal gets super hot. So if I get cold, I can just put my hands on a on a hot piece of steel. <laughs> Is that how it works? Just hug the newly welded yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah that will, uh, I love help. you. So <laughs> when you're talking about building the uh, the new shed for the metalworking stuff, I hadn't thought about this until just now. Had you planned? Mm. I guess you don't have plans for it yet, like the size or anything, but. <laughs> Had you planned for the door to be big enough for a go-kart to come in and out of? Because I guess it would have to. Uh, yeah, oh. I, I <laughs> did not think about that until now. We were actually talking about doing... Um, well, it had to be big enough. Yes. 
because they had to be big enough to hold the we have a zero turn lawnmower and that's oh. that's where it's going to be stored in in that metal shop because sometimes we have to share spaces with other things so it, yeah it, it would definitely hold that i actually was trying to get my go-kart into my woodworking shop but i couldn't because it's it's about four feet wide mm. and i was like trying to angle it up and i was like no that's not gonna happen hmm Oh. You could you just use the zero turn mower as your go kart? I could. I, I don't know that it's in. Re- I'll have to check the rules and regulations. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> or just when you're making your new one, just figure out a way to make a zero turn go kart. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that, that would be amazing. Yeah. So we um we I was out at the farm um and. I don't know, over the last weekend, we were just out running around the woods and stuff. And it was cool, but not super cold yet. And it gave me a little taste of what it will be like to try to do work out there over the winter in that space, which is not heated and super drafty. It's got that big sliding door in the front, so it's not sealed up at all. Um, And like I said, it's not going to be as cold for me as it is for you guys. But trying to build anything out there will be a new challenge for me because not only will we not have... Uh, you know, the heated space to work in from the shop. But then most of the things we do out there will be outdoors. Like the project will be a large thing that's not made in the shop. It's made, you know, it's a bridge made where it's going to be, or it's a cabin made where it's going to be. So that's going to be a new thing I'm going to have to figure out how to get used to Um, for a couple of reasons. One for the cold, but also just because I've been, I've gotten so used to, for the most part, having the shop and being being able knowing where everything is all the time, having everything that I've purchased and ordered and you know organized there, and then to go like, oh, let's go build a bridge in the woods. I don't know, grab a circular saw. You know what you need? Uh, screw. You gun. know what you got to get? <laughs> that's you know. What's up? You know, you need to get one of those uh, Polaris's. That's going to be next because on a piece of property like that, mm-hmm. without it, mm-hmm. you you're going to be like fumbling, dragging stuff by hand. Forget it. You need a Polaris. That's it. Mm-hmm. Go get a Polaris. Gotta get one. Well, there's not. I'd have to make a really big trail to That's be able it. to ride something like that. I had I had no trails on my property. I had nothing, literally nothing. And I bought that machine five or six years ago. And me, me, and my my buddy, we we started making a trail with a chainsaw. We went straight into what's now. When you guys come in, you'll see we call it the back cave. It's the entrance into the woods, which now is the entrance that leads to the new barn. But before the barn was there. On the 40 acres that I have here, I only have like maybe two or three acres that we mow. The rest was just complete, like overgrown woods. There is a big hay field, but that also you can't really walk through because the hay is like up to your nose. But where the trees and the branches were, we just, we, we nosed right up to it. Me and my buddy Charles, and with a chainsaw, we just cut like 10 feet. We drove in, we just cleared another 10 feet, we drove in more, cleared another 10 feet until that path ended up then we get to a clearing and then we drive across the clearing to another set of trees and we just start digging in so we were like we were like pioneers i don't know why but it it just sounds fun it's fun i mean we made that's what i was doing saturday we made that path like but with is with the width of the the ranger i bought a polaris ranger and that was fun and Hmm. with before i had the ranger i never went on the property me and taylor would walk it every once in a while but once i had the polaris and i I had the freedom to roam. We we started naming sections like right now when me and tell she'd be like, "Oh, it's uh, you know, by the beaver pond or or the garbage dump." You know, these are all things that we found uh, you know, uh, uh over by the by the antique car cuz there's an antique car out there that 
there's an old uh, uh, 1928 or 29 Ford just like buried in the ground. It's completely rotted away forever. Like when when that like what what it takes for me to get there in the Polaris is impossible. Maybe there was no trees in the 20s. There's a car in the middle of the woods. It's like unbelievable. Like how did this get here? And so it it opened up all this stuff that we never really looked at or never saw. You know, so now we have little sections. So as as this whole piece of property turns into like what's now Manhattan, there'll be different names. It'll be like Beaver Creek Highway. You know, there'll be like roads and it's like <laughs> names after the things that we came up with. Yes. Oh, we have a thing yeah. called the, 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 the Witch's Coven. It's like a series of trees in a circle. And it looks like where the witches would like, you know, cook somebody's body in a cauldron. So we call it the Witch's Coven. <laughs> So there's different sections, the Pine Grove. So these are all little things. This is like how towns get their name. So on this 40 acres, when it's a uh, you know, little maker town, it's going to have all these various turns names. Turns into it's, Jimmyville. Yeah. And it's Jimmyville is going to have all these names that started just because we got a Polaris and started digging into the woods. That's what you need to do. Well, it's funny. I mean, when we went out there Saturday, the reason I went, I drugged the family with me, but the reason I went was to start working on the trail. So we have this one little section down from the barn that's, it was already there. It's a nice little trail down the hill, but then it stops and it's up against the property line. So then you can't, the way it would naturally go would go onto the next guy's property. And so from that point, um, I'm turning it and I was out there with a chainsaw, just trying to cut stuff down as little as possible, you know, small stuff to kind of clear a path. But I'm also doing it at like a person's width, not Mm -hmm. a vehicle width, you know, Mm -hmm. which is a little different. And also when you get down there, it's not flat anymore. So it's not like I'm going, let's go straight that way. It's got to go that way, but around that one big tree and then kind of over the little thing. And then it goes straight uphill for like 10 feet. And, you know, so it's, I made a little bit of progress, but not, not a ton. That's funny. Cause when I dug, we, we, me and Willie cut the road that went to the new barn and I made it like, if you just like the width of a car is whatever 60 inches 70 inches like the width of like a car and so i made it just as wide as my pickup truck to go through there and then uh kurt the guy who does all my land excavating he looked at it he goes i said don't go any wider than this i, I don't want i, I want it to be super hidden he goes because you're out of your mind he goes a cement truck can't fit down here a delivery truck can't fit down here and i'm like oh yeah i yeah. forgot about that stuff <laughs> And so he had to make it twice as wide, and he cut down a whole bunch of trees. Ooh. I was so upset. But it is what it is now. It, that's how it has to be. How it has to be. Yeah. You know. How do you keep um, areas like that that you've cut a trail back that you don't use all the time? It, how do it'll you overgrow. Keep those cut. But it'll grow. I mean, it'll what grow. What do you do? Just you just go back and mow it, or what do you do to keep? Oh it no, there? you just drive on it. <clears throat> like the paths that we cut, literally like cut branches away and like small trees that might be say you know, three or four inches in diameter. We, those trees don't come back, obviously, anytime quick. But saplings will come up, and you just drive over them. You know, it'll be like, yeah. if we don't drive on the path out in the 40 acres for like six or eight or 10 months, or obviously through the summer months where things grow, you go in the, the next season, you're not going to have to drive over a tree. So you just drive over whatever's grown. And it just, you know, the yeah. path will show itself again. And there have been a couple times where I'm like, all right, I don't know which way the path goes because I haven't been over here in so long. And, uh, and then you just kind of start to realize, you know, where there's no trees because you cut them away. Even though the grass yeah. is like up to your nose, you could still figure out where you're not going to hit a tree. And that's that's where the path was, because other than that, there was random trees. There's a lot of there's so much growth on some parts of the property. You can't even walk through it like you have to l- literally spread the 
the brush to walk through it and step over like bundles of branches coming out of the ground. Hmm. That's how overgrown a lot of my property is. But having the Polaris, I mean, this is, I'm giving you, a, I'm, I'm doing you a sales pitch as if I own a Polaris dealer. <laughs> it really, it really opens up a world. And it's obviously, it's so much fun to just buzz around on it. Yeah. But then, like, we had it for a couple summers and it was like a luxury. Now it's an absolute necessity with the chickens and, you know, running chicken feed out to the to the chicken coop and running anvils around. It's like, without it, it's just, it would, it would hmm. life would be so much more inconvenient. Go ahead. My, I, I just pictured my, my, my grandpa, the, the one who's no longer with us, just being like, man up and work in the cold or work in the heat and carry <laughs> stuff. Like, he, cause he was a manly, you know, like go getter. Uh, I, I don't, I just, we, we love our comforts. <laughs> uh, speaking of anvils, you said anvils. Um, yeah. I, I bought an anvil. I heard. Finally. I heard from behind the scenes you got an anvil. That's great. Yeah. Blacksmith Tools uh, put one up the other day on Veterans Day and said, um, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I don't know anything about anvils. They all look the same to me, and I don't know why one is better than the other, honestly. But he put this one up, said, it's for sale. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to this Veterans Foundation, Troops First Foundation. Yep. He's very, I was like, oh, he's, he's a big like, supporter that's a good them. reason to, to spend money. Whether I know if the thing itself, the anvil itself, is like good or bad or whatever, that's a good cause. Yeah. So I did that, and um, I think it's going to get here on Tuesday, maybe. Which is kind of mm-hmm. crazy to me that you can ship something like that that quickly. But <laughs> I don't know why that's surprising to me, but it is still surprising to me. Um, Anvils are funny because I, now I have like eight of them or nine of them because we were having the classes and I keep getting them. Some I pay a lot for, some I pay nothing for. But anvils are funny when you, each one has its own personality in a way. I know this sounds kind of hokey, but between me and Brett working in the shop, we know which anvils will give us like what response. And it's not necessarily like a hit back. It's the surface. It's the shape of the surface. It's like, okay, I know on that anvil, I have this part of the anvil, which will give me like a, for, for drawing that part of the anvil for straightening. And so between the three or four different anvils that I tend to use, I gravitate towards near the, the, the forge. It's, it's funny. You start to realize the personality, even of the shape of the top of the anvil. If you only have one of them, you start to realize what part you get hit on for what reason or another. But that will come after right. like a year of you playing around, you know, from my own personal yeah. experience. I'm like, finally, after playing in the blacksmith shop and just hammering and drawing things and making weird spikes because I don't know what else to make. Now I'm starting to, to venture out past that. And I made a couple of knives. I want to make a pair of scissors. I can actually really start to see what I want to make. And that's when these little various sections of the anvil face start to come into play. And you start like, I, hmm. like I could see myself working on certain parts of what I know is going to give me what I need. It's hard to explain without actually showing, but you'll start to realize that once you, like I said, it'll take you about a year once you, before you start to realize that. Is it, is an anvil well, one of those? Be a year of, say that would be a year of doing it all the time. I'll do it once a year. So it'll be <laughs> no, 10 years you, before. You might, you might, you never know. You know, it's, that's, what's interesting about bringing a new piece of equipment into the shop. You might bring that in and you'd be like, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to do with that. And then suddenly you find it's like really therapeutic and you really start playing with it. Yeah. And that, that might be become your thing. I picture Bob, I picture you with a big belly and a really long, dirty beard <laughs> in like three years from now. And you're like, you're a blacksmith with like, with like dreadlocks in your hair and like grungy, dirty overcoat. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> like all the other blacksmiths. 
Oh, thanks for picturing me with a big belly. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, what are you saying, David? <laughs> no, and your arms are like in perfect shape because you know, <laughs> but you got a big belly because you stopped running. I just wondered, is it is an anvil one of those things like to purchase one new? Is there any advantage to that? The only advantage to having one new is that it's a dead perfect smooth top. Hmm. And and some I I know like ZH Fabrication Zach has a brand new anvil that he bought. I don't know the name of the supplier. Brett has a brand new anvil that he got his payment for working at the uh, spring make event, and it's a beautiful anvil from a company from Rigid. You know, Rigid the tool company they make anvils. And it's beautiful. Every once in a while, I play on it because if I'm making a knife and I want super smooth, I'll go to that. I'll go to Brett's Anvil. So it, the, the, you could buy, for $1,500, you could buy a really cool old antique anvil that has like a lot of her- history and and texture. Or you could buy, for that same 1500 you could buy a brand new one from Rigid. So it's just a matter of preference. Hmm. I mean, there is something nice about a brand new anvil with nice, clean, crisp edges. But you really got to dig into it and start playing around and start to figure out what you really like and, uh, you know, the type of style so, you're going to start working with. If you had one that you wanted to clean up and have a perfectly flat top, you'd have to use, what, like a surface grinder of some sort? And I don't uh, even know how you would do that with... Yeah, there's a couple of guys online that do it. I mean, what I actually do is if I need... Because I only have one or two anvils that have a sharp edge, and if I don't actually am not working near it, because I have things split between two shops, if I'm not working on that one, I have lots of chunks of steel that I buy from the Albany Steel. They have a room that has all cutoffs. And I'll buy like a 10 or 15 pound chunk of steel that has a sharp edge because it's cut off of another big piece and it's a drop. And so I have a couple of random pieces of steel that aren't necessarily tool steel. But for what I'm doing, if you put in a super red hot piece of steel next to anything, it's going to mush before the, the anvil mushes. So I have a couple of just random shapes. You might well, you might call them like dogs or dollies. I forget what they call them exactly, but just random shapes to bang on top of. So I have those in lieu of having to like smooth out the top of an anvil. But you can bring it to somebody with a Bridgeport or a, a Blanchard grinder. A Blanchard grinder is one of those ones that has like, a, it's like a big circle. It's like maybe like an eight or 10 foot circle. And you ever see the guys, it's just, you, you bolt it to the bottom and the Blanchard grinder comes from the top. Sometimes they're on the bottom and it's just a huge swirly mess of liquid and it, it smooths out stuff. So when you see like the top of uh, like a table saw or the top of like a bandsaw plate, those are usually ground on a Blanchard grinder where you see the big, the big arch swirls in it. That's like a Blanchard grinder because it's it spins and rotates under a spinner. So it's spinning and the bottom thing turns. So it's always hitting like a different spot of the grinding face so that it smooths it all out perfect. So typically that's a Blanchard grinder. You might find a guy in your area that will do that. Might might cost you like a hundred bucks just to have the top of your anvil totally smoothed out. If if you want it. Yeah. But it's not necessary. That'd be interesting. I mean yeah, yeah, I don't think it'd be necessary at all, but it would be interesting to to have a sharp edge just to work against, just to know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what you could do with that. Because, I mean, I kind of understand why that would be beneficial, mm-hmm. depending on what you're making. Um, yeah. The same thing for the the nose of it. Is that the horn, I guess yeah. is what it's called? Yeah. You know, if that's got chips in it, then I could see why that would be a problem for getting the curves that you want if there's sections missing. But it's funny is because there are, I have a couple of anvils that have like textured surfaces and I thought to clean them, but then I just got lazy and I never did. And so now I know that there's those textured surfaces that I could bang on if I want to put the texture back into something. 
Because a lot of times, I mean, this is a lot of blacks. I'm not a blacksmith, so I can cheat. It doesn't matter to me if I cheat. But you can grind, you can hammer, hammer, weld, <laughs> go grind, and then come back. But you want it to look blacksmith, so you hammer it over that texture, and you get rid of the grind marks, and you bring it back to what looks like a blacksmith texture. Don't send me hate mail. Cheater. <laughs> oh, yeah. Send him all the hate mail. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, I had another question. Oh, yeah, so... You always see, um, this is a, a newbie question that hopefully somebody else will want to know. So I'm not the only one that sounds like I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Blacks, uh, anvils usually go on top of like a tree stump or something, <clears throat> some sort of a big heavy thing. And I guess that's just to lock it in place, transfer some of the energy pounding down yeah. to the ground. Is there any other reason for that? Excuse me, like... Uh, about like the is it just to get it to a good working height or yeah they say you, the, the height the height typically should be from what i've been told is like if you just put your arm at your side the anvil should be about at the height of your hand because you want like you want hmm. when you strike with a hammer you want the end of your arm strike to hit the top of the anvil so whatever that height is that's how that's how high your anvil should be and you could just bolt together a bunch of four by fours and bolt them together and put your anvil on that and then strap your anvil to that. What you don't want is the anvil walking around. Like if you don't have it on a secure surface or a cockeyed, a cockeyed tree stump, when you're banging on it, it starts to jump around. It, it obviously reacts to the hit of a hammer, especially if you're doing it for a long time. And it'll start to walk around and that's what's annoying. You don't want it to walk around. But if you just, like I said, if you're just getting started, you don't really understand or know what your preferences are yet. I'm just telling you my personal experience playing around for the last two years i start now like after two years i'm really starting to develop like a preference of like how i want to do things and prior to that i was just like oh, i don't know i'm just getting the feel for hitting the corner of this thing see what happens i don't know but now now I, I i'll go into the blacksmith shop now with 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 goals whereas before i didn't know i was just let me just get familiarized with these techniques but talk about the weather working around a forge in this weather is nice because you don't need any other heat. And also you're physical, so you're getting the physical action of your body heat, and then you're near the Ford. So in between cycles, you could relax and stay warm near the fire. Yeah. When I was taking my metalworking class last winter, the uh, you know I'd pull the, uh, the, the piece out of the kiln and smack it. And this is in the middle of the winter, and I found myself just going outside just to cool down because it is so freaking mm -hmm. hot yeah. in that room. Yeah. Yeah, you also want to get, like, if, if you're doing a long, t like, let's say you're working all day long on the anvil, you want the anvil to stay warm because you don't want it to suck the, the heat oh. right out of your piece. So you, you got to keep, like, you know, you work yeah. the anvil a little bit. It starts to soak up some of the heat. So. Hmm. hmm. That's funny. I wouldn't have thought yeah. about that. Totally makes sense. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, you guys got anything else on? I don't know how we got to anvils, but. <laughs> Anything else around winter and anvils? Uh, you just gotta you gotta look through your shop and see what's gonna break. That's it. You know, go around the shop and see like what liquid is gonna potentially break the containers so that when things start to warm up, they're not gonna leak. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. A lot of chemicals will just kind of go dormant. They won't necessarily swell and break the container they're in. But you never know. You might have like that one bucket of water that's really important. And, you know, near something that's important. And then when it freezes and then thaws within a day or two or three or next month, all of a sudden you have a puddle of water near, you know, a pile of paper. You know, so that's just one thing to consider. Speaking of, mm -hmm. totally, I'm going to I'm gonna start up the conversation again because I have a question. That's yeah. another one of those newbie, yeah. you can call me dumb questions, that's fine. 
Every time I see people working on knife blanks or grinding something or whatever, I have a bucket of water. Yeah. And they'll they'll be grinding on something, get super hot, they dip it in the bucket of the water. Yeah. To, to cool it down so they can continue working on it. In my mind, that would always change the hardness of the metal. Is that not the case? Uh, no. You know, there's there's a different temperature range that you need to be in for the hardness to to affect. Okay, so that's the, it's not doing a quinch. Yeah, no, Just, no, okay. uh, no, no. Okay. Not, that being said, there are like there are some blacksmith techniques. Like we were working in a couple of steels with some of the axe heads, and we had to we couldn't we couldn't put it in water. We had to let it cool off because there was a certain technique to the way it had to be hardened and 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 whenever it gets to that point i'll I'll refer to experts but i know just working on like a knife blank you're working on just general like 1084 steel or 1095 steel you can dunk it while you're working on it because the the range to to harden it is in the like 1500 degree range and it would be red hot gotcha if you you understand what i'm saying so you, you're yeah. just you're working on it and cooling it and dunking it and cooling it and dunking it. And then when you blacksmith too, having a bucket of water is essential because a if you burn yourself or b if your tongs get too hot, you want to dunk your tongs. You know, the, or if you're working on a long piece and you can hold the end of that long piece and you're working on the other end, the heat will start to gravitate up towards the handle part. You want to be able to dunk it quickly. And then also you want water because if you're going to make something red hot, but right next to it, you want to control what happens there. You want to drip water on it. So water is really an important part of blacksmithing anytime. So you have your anvil, your forge, and a bucket of water somewhere. Hmm. So. Okay. I do want yeah. to say, I, I, I bought the, is it the Amera brand? Grinder, Marabraid, uh, bel- yep. uh, uh belt. What is it called? Uh, belt, belt grinder. Belt grinder. Yeah. Belt grinder. And those things are. I, I was when I bought it. I was like, man, this is so expensive. I hope I get my use out of it because it's just a piece of sandpaper that turns. I find myself. <laughs> I use that thing all, all the time. time. Right? It was so worth the money getting that thing. I, I just. It's so That's convenient right. to have. I have like nine of them now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reason I I bought one because you had a oh, you had a discount code for a little bit and and it works fantastic. I think it still works. So if anybody wants to go to a Marabray, they'll 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 work with you on a price if you mention you you know about it from me. I think it will. They're very nice guys. Yeah, I mean I I've got the same one from both of your recommendations and it is awesome. It's almost like intimidating to me in that it's too powerful. Like, I'm used to woodworking sanders where you, like, you know, you got to push a little bit and whatever. On that thing, it's like, hold on to your metal because <laughs> if you don't, it's gone. <laughs> it's just going to disintegrate. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty great. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about Patreon, and you guys figure out what you want to recommend. Ooh, and then I'll I figure think... out what I want to recommend because I didn't figure it out ahead of time. Dave and I Big thanks to Patreon. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Cheaters. <laughs> Big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon. Um, especially our top supporters, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, and Jenny and Davis. They're our top supporters, but there's a whole huge list of other people that help us out over there. And uh, I like to say this every once in a while. It matters, and we are super grateful for everybody at all those different levels because we don't do sponsors on this show. We don't really, I mean, I think we have T-shirts. We don't sell stuff. We don't whatever. Like, the Patreon support is how we do the show. Um, it gives us uh, you know the money funny? we need to pay for the hosting and all that stuff and editing. You what's, guys, what's I, I get I get a couple. Do you guys get, like, hit up by, by, like, people on a book tour? They want to come on our podcast? 
Do you guys get hit up occasionally? I get hit up with that too. Every once in a while, they're like, as some like some marketing company will email us and be like, "Hey, so and so's on a book tour. Do you want them?" And they give like you know their their analytics and whatever. I'm like, they obviously never listen to the show. They just look and see like you know it's it's funny. Anyway, all right, I'm done. Okay. That's a super common thing with podcasts. They're just like yeah. some marketing agency just like blankets. Oh, we saw the word podcast on your website. So yeah, you probably want to have these people on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we also do the after show, which is another separate show of like, uh, you know, 15 minutes or so of us talking about other stuff, secret stuff, stuff, mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that goes to everybody on Patreon at any level. So if you want to get that, if you want to help us out, Go to patreon.com slash making it mm-hmm. and we would appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. And if not, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just David, what you got? I've got a video that I like Drum so roll. much that I watched it <laughs> twice. It is Whoa. Jimmy on Bon Appetit's <laughs> channel with, with Brad. It is so good. Where you guys, you guys make an outdoor grill and yeah. I, I saw it come up in my feed. I love Bon Appetit. I love their channel. I just, it's a great channel. I get excited anytime a video comes out. And when this video showed up in my feed, I stopped what I was doing. I watched it. I laughed. It's so good. Your chemistry together is <laughs> so you. fantastic. Then I felt guilty for watching it without my wife. So when my wife got home from work, <laughs> we watched it again. It's just the first 20 seconds is going to hook you. You'll, you'll get hooked oh, just you. watching that first funny thing. It's so good. There's so much funny stuff that didn't make it in. He and I were talking about being in high school and, and how, like, for me, I, I always say this. I don't know if you guys, if I ever said it here, but when I realized 65 was passing, I was like, you mean all I got to get is 65 and then I could eventually leave this place? That's it? <laughs> so you're saying 65 is, like, the number I have to get past? He and I talked about that. We had so much fun. That's why we talked a little bit about high school and... uh but the, I wish they would have put more of that high school stuff in there. Yeah, working with Brad was amazing. He was so much fun. We spent a couple of days, a couple of weeks before that, we spent a day together just driving around in the country and talking. And so we we, we developed a camaraderie that like was kind of right there because we're both from the same area, kind of <clears throat> like the tri-state area, but like dumb guys that like just passed high school, like dirt bags. <laughs> so we, we 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 got along well. Watching this video just made me wish that you had a dedicated cameraman, Jimmy, for your channel, just to follow you around and record your voice because you're you're so good at explaining what's going on in such simplified terms. And it's, I don't it's think funny. I was just talking about that with my buddy Hobie. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people understand how funny you are naturally in a, in, a, in a natural conversation. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank it's, you. yeah, I if. Thank you. You, very much. you ever get to a point that, where you get a cameraman? I think it. it we're, well, that's, you're going to pass PewDiePie. I, <laughs> thank you. I, <laughs> that would be awesome. But uh, yeah, Hobie did. Hobie's my buddy from Cargo Glide who did that video where we pimped the truck, and he was the cameraman and editor and of that. He's actually got a lot of television experience. So when he met me, he's like, "Dude, let's just do like a fake little episode of a reality show." Like that was what Hobie's good at. That's what he's good at. And so when we did the the cargo glide episode, that's what we did. And he, we, I was just with him at SEMA, and we talked about doing more stuff like that together. So it might be. And my pick, no surprise, is episode two, which is going to be out today, Thursday, at noon. Mm-hmm. And that's when we actually go in the woods. And the funny thing was, I don't know what they edit. I haven't seen the edit yet, but 
I was just like whining about vegetables the whole time. And all he's cooking is mushrooms and peppers and onions. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, when like break the bread out. Let's get to some carbs. I don't like any of these vegetables. <laughs> he cooked some steak and some shrimps and some stuff. And yeah, so I was like looking for the real the real good stuff. And he's like, oh, look at these. He he, got, he holds up a mushroom. He's like, this mushroom. He's like, oh, it's this kind of mushroom. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like mushrooms? Oh, are you kidding me? I don't like mushrooms I'll either. I'll to death before I eat a mushroom. Yeah. Really? I won't eat a pizza if there's a mushroom on the opposite end of the pizza. It's too close. There, I think, you know, I'm going to complain for one second. Wow. This is my rant. Yay. People, <laughs> people that say, oh, you just haven't had it cooked prepared right. Nonsense. If it's bad in my mouth, it's bad no matter how it's cooked. I honestly believe that because, you know, people have different DNA makeups that make them this way or that way or, you know, super smart or dumb. I believe that there's a taste <laughs> thing. When people say to me, oh, you just, you like, oh, you don't, you just haven't had it prepared correctly. I'm like, no, there's something about the taste of that that I don't like. And that is it, no matter how it's prepared. And I honestly believe that it's a, it's a genetic thing where like you might love oranges me, I'm just like the texture of an orange. It's so much work to go through. I'd rather just drink the orange. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll eat an orange if there's nothing else to, to deal. But I got to peel it and then I got to like eat. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But the point I'm making is, is like if there's a mushroom in my mouth, it's enough to make me. You know what I'm saying? I can't have it in my mouth. So if I'm eating a piece of pizza, I just said I realized, oh, there was a mushroom on here. I just throw the whole thing away. I can't have it. And here's Brad with like a hundred dollar mushroom, and he's like, "Oh, it's so good!" Oh, he's, uh, and I was just like, uh, <laughs> "I didn't want to." Like, I'm sure I saw like a little preview of episode two, and a, they have they captured my face, and I wasn't even making the face to anybody. I was just making it to myself. Like when somebody pulls out that food, my physical reaction is to make like a gross face, and they got my gross face. At least I saw it in one of the previews. So. It should be funny. I didn't realize how often they were focusing on me. Like Brad's cooking and I'm thinking they're looking at him, but I'm making gross faces over his shoulder by myself, thinking I'm having my own solitary moment and they're filming my face. So it should be funny. <laughs> nice. Me and my gross face. Well, my my pick, uh, I'm kind of wondering if maybe this wasn't your pick last time. Did you talk about the furniture optical illusions, mm -hmm. David? Mm -hmm. Yes. Was that your pick last week? Yes. Oh, is that Zach oh, King? Yeah. Well, pick it again. Yeah, you can pick was... it again because people <laughs> need to watch it. It's so good. <laughs> I, I, I should have known because otherwise I don't know how it would have run across it. Same video that David mentioned last week. Um, but the thing that's cool about it is it, if you look at it from a furniture building perspective and not from a, like a, a video, you know, tricking people perspective, it can give you some kind of cool ideas about how to use geometry in furniture to fake a different look. And I think when I was looking at it before, when you showed it to me, I guess the first time I was like, Oh, it's Zach King. So it's going to be final cut. You know, it's going to be editing illusions, but I don't think it really is. I think it's mostly practical, you know, being really creative about the construction. So I think even if you, if you're not interested in the video uh, editing portion of it, go back and look at it for the, the uh, furniture. I think it's kind of good. I'll throw another one in there just since that was already picked. Uh, Chris Zepp put up a video about his his property that he got upstate. Near oh, yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. 
And it was it was really interesting to see kind of what his plans are. He walks through his condemned house a little bit that was on the property that they're going to destroy, which is pretty terrifying. Like, I don't think I'd want to be up there by myself walking through the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I don't know if he talked about it in the video because I didn't watch the whole thing yet, where he said it looks like a bear was living in it. Like, there's a hole through the floor. There's a hole through the foundation. So you can go through the foundation under the crawl space, which is probably about three feet. And then you end up inside the house. And there's like somebody like nestled insulation together to like live near something. So there was an animal like about the size of a human being nestled in this pile of insulation with a big hole on the floor nearby. So you could tell where they came and went. Gross. Homeless bear was living <laughs> in his house. <laughs> Homeless bears. Don't you hate them? Yeah, so it, it's kind of cool to see what his plans are with that property. Um, it looks like it's going to be a really cool thing to watch come together. So, yeah, go ahead, check both of those out. Um, all right, going long. You guys got anything else? No, I'm. Uh, um, I, I apologize if I sounded weird. I'm getting over a cold, and Kelly didn't work today, so she was sleeping in the next room, so I'm trying to be all quiet and quiet with a cold. So I apologize if I sounded weird today. Kelly's awake now, so um, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna yell and scream in the after show. Sweet, that's something to look forward to. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Why did I do that? Because <laughs> I keep getting everybody to do it. Now. <laughs>